Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Separate to what I'm going to go into today is the Lord. I've been studying for our Bible study. We in Matthew, and it's my turn to facilitate for this coming Wednesday. And that I'm in the we in the middle of Matthew in chapter 13, and we're basically doing the two parables that I'll be facilitating is the great treasure and the great pearl. And what I, the Lord spoke to me this morning or, or this today while I went for a walk is that you know. The men that find the great treasure or find the great pearl, they are different in, in, a, in one aspect. The different aspect is maybe the one wasn't even looking for a treasure, but he stumbled upon it nonetheless. He was looking for something. That's why he's digging in the field, but and he finds it. The other one where it speaks about the great pearl is that he was, he was a, a connoisseur of pearls and he was always looking on the hunt for a good one and he finds the great one. So today, as I'm going to be studying a different portion of scripture, what struck me is that all of us are looking for something. All of us, and when we're in Christ, we're looking for truth and biblical truth to enlighten our way. But when we find that, note the response of both these men. They give up everything they, they have in order to obtain it. If it's the piece of land or the field, or it's selling all of his other jewels and properties to gain that one possession. That wholehearted approach to once you find the kingdom, once you find Jesus, and it's not necessarily just about the giving up, it's about when you find it, how precious it is to you. And this morning or this evening, we're going to go through a different portion of scripture, but the core value is the same, is when we find something, it's important to give our whole hearts to it. All right. So what I want you to do this morning is, or this evening, is turn to one portion of scripture. We're going to camp in one passage of scripture this evening, and it's going to be we're going to start from Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Proverbs 4, 23. We're going to use this as our base camp, and you'll see that we're going to basically stay in one passage of Scripture for the duration uh, of, this, of our time together. If possible, if you have an electronic device, I would like you to change the translation to the Passion Translation. If not, if you're still using the good old-fashioned old old bible then that's great that's that's the word of god nonetheless and it doesn't matter what translation you have i'll, I'll be sharing mine anyway in just a bit but everybody please turn to proverbs 4 23 all right if you're there just give me a thumbs up it's important that we read it together and we all in sync um this is going to be more akin to a bible study i like to facilitate in in this way and yeah i'm just going to be different to what you used to but it's going to be great all right, I'll read Proverbs 4.23 from the Passion Translation. So above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for, for from there flows the wellspring of life. Our whole focus this morning is, is to gain a holistic understanding of the heart. Specifically, getting into the mind of the author Solomon here, to better understand what he saw and understood as heart. You see, once we 
understand his vision and understanding of heart, can we heed this proverb that he gives us. In, in Proverbs 4.23, he gives us a proverb to heed, and that is to protect and to preserve our hearts. Now, most times, Proverbs 4.23, you probably, before we even turned, there was, it was fresh in your mind, and you probably ratted it off orally or, or internally, and normally you can quote it in isolation, and that wouldn't, and normally that's not a problem in Proverbs. But for this specific passage, it's not, it doesn't stand alone. Proverbs 4.23 is housed in a passage of scripture that is important to understand the context and us to flow with that context that Solomon gives us. So today, we're going to read the whole passage of scripture. So all you need to do is look a bit higher up, and we're going to start with Proverbs 4.20, and we're going to read the whole Proverbs 4.20 all the way to 27. We're going to read Proverbs 4 from verse 20 to 27. And I'll read it again from the Passion Translation as we look at it, a holistic approach. Listen carefully, my dear child, to everything that I teach you, and pay attention to all that I have to say. Fill your thoughts with my words until they penetrate deep into your spirit. Then as you unwrap my words, they will impart true life and radiant health into the very core of your being. So above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, from, for from there flows the wellspring of life. Avoid dishonest speech and pretentious words. Be free from using perverse words, no matter what. Set your gaze on the path before you with fixed purpose, looking straight ahead. Ignore life's distractions. Watch where you're going. Stick to the path of truth, and the road will be safe and smooth before you. Don't allow yourself to be sidetracked even for a moment or take the detour that leads to darkness. You're already getting a better, a, a better holistic understanding of Proverbs 4.23 as we see and we study the words around it in the, in the passage of Scripture. But I don't just want to read the text to, today. I want us to do a contextual study. It's something that I enjoy, and uh, we're going to do this together. We're going to journey together, and we're going to treat Proverbs 4.23 as our center, like I said, our base camp. And we're going to work upward, and outward and in doing this our goal is to gain a deeper understanding of this heart the word heart that Solomon is illustrating to us and then we can we'll, we'll start to see practical ways on how by heeding his words how we can conserve our hearts again we have to enter Solomon's mind and his Hebraic understanding of heart and we're going to take a fine comb and go through this passage together noting specific words or phrases that he uses to further flesh out his view of heart. And like I said, this is the way I like to study the Bible. So we're going to basically study together. I'm going to share my screen, and we're going to journey through this text together. All right, you should see my screen. Those of you who I can see, thumbs up if you can see my screen. Great. Okay, so let's start at the heart of the scripture. You see, I put a star there, Proverbs 4.23, and I'm going to highlight today key aspects of this passage of scripture from verse 20 to 27. And I'm going to highlight heart in red for you to see clearly. Now, the first thing that we're going to do is highlight all the phrases that can be used to describe or relate to one's heart. A synonyms, if you will, if you if you were to turn through a Hebrew thesaurus, what would you get other words that describe heart? Remember, we're going to start with verse 23 and we're going to work our way up. 
All right. So I encourage you to write these down, these, these phrases and, and everything that I'm going to be extracting out or highlighting to you. And then when we're done, you'll get a holistic view of what the Hebraic biblical definition of heart is. So to start off, I'm going to highlight all the phrases that resemble or look similar to heart. And I'm going to do that in yellow. I'm going to start in verse 23, like we said. So if you read verse 23, you'll see another way of affecting, of saying heart is it affects all that you are. Your heart affects all that you are. The next one you'll see is your heart. Your heart is your innermost being. And still in verse 23, another way of explaining heart or, or illustrating heart is that it's the wellspring of life. The wellspring of life. So you can see, you can start to see that what's taking shape is a, a greater understanding of heart. But let's not stop there. Let's go upwards, right? The heart is the very core of your being in verse 22. The heart is the very core of your being. Also, in verse 21, as we journey up, you'll see the heart is also described as deep into your spirit. Deep into your spirit. Now, before we continue with our contextual study, I'm going to, I'm going to read this in a holistic, cohesive thought. All the phrases that we have now highlighted in yellow and it says this your heart affects all that you are it is your wellspring of life resting in your very core your innermost being deep in your spirit isn't that beautiful can you can you see how the painting of heart is now more vibrant with different colors and artworks we are beginning to see for solomon heart is not just a physical organ that was critical for maintaining life but more it's a center responsible for much more. I'm going to give you a quote by Cohen here. Cohen says that in Solomon's day, the heart was considered to be the central organ which conditions all man's activities and upon whose correct functioning depends the character of his living. So it conditions all man's activities and is in, in responsible for the correct functioning and character of his living. Let's not stop there. Let's not just look at the scripture and highlight synonyms of how we would we would refer to heart. But let's also dig deeper and highlight the different facets the heart is responsible for. Also understanding the Hebrew mindset. So we start again in, in Proverbs 4, verse 23, and we're going to highlight the different areas that the heart is responsible for. All right. We all know the heart is responsible for our affections. I'm going to highlight this in green. Our heart is definitely responsible for our affections. Now let's go up. Like we said, the heart is definitely responsible for our radiant health. Without our heart beating in our chest, without the rhythm of life in our bodies, we would not function. Oxygen and blood, oxygen through the blood would not be pumped to our organs and we would not have life. The heart is definitely responsible for radiant health. Let's continue up in verse 21. Did you know that the heart is also responsible for your thoughts? Your thoughts. Okay, now we're starting to, we're starting to stretch our understanding of heart. And if we go to the bottom of verse 25 to 27, we see a different picture of what the heart is responsible for. It's responsible for 
in one phrase, to watch where we're going. To watch where we're going. It sets the course of the direction and also our attention to where we are going. So if I have to read it to you again in a holistic, cohesive statement, I put words like this. The heart is not merely responsible for our radiant health, but it too is responsible for our affections, our thoughts. It helps us decide which path to take. You know, David says in the Psalms many times, I set my heart on something. He set his heart, for example, to build the temple or to make sure that the temple would be built in his lifetime or after him. To set your heart on something. That is that's an important statement of heart. Right. Now, if you've known me from a length of time, you will know I normally jump to the definition of a word. And normally the Hebrew, even though I'm Greek, it upsets my dad, I'm sure. But uh, let's not delay that any longer. I'm going to give you the Hebrew definition of heart. Just to show you that these words that we've been highlighting don't just come from anywhere. They don't just come from poetic license, but they are rooted into the Hebraic understanding of heart. And I'm going to show you. If you don't believe me, you're going to see it. I'm going to click on the footnote here on verse 23 in the Passion Translation for heart. And you will see it right in front of you. The footnote reads, the Hebrew word lavav is the most common word for heart. It includes our thoughts, our will, our discernment, and our affections. Can you see those words that we highlighted earlier coming to the fore here? I'll read it one more time. The Hebrew word lavav is the most common word for heart. It includes our thoughts, our will, our discernment, and our affections. There's another quote here which says, the three special functions, the knowing, feeling, and willing, ascribed by modern psychologists to the mind, were actually attributed to the heart by biblical writers. So in our Western mindset, we attribute the knowing, the feeling, and the willing to the mind. We see it as a psychological asset. But in the Hebrew, they never had a word for brain. This is a true statement. The Hebrew people never had a word for brain. They all attributed everything to the center of your being, which is your heart. I'm going to, sh I'm going to show you the screen is still being shared. And one resource that I really, I really get a lot from in my personal walk with the Lord is the Bible Project. And they do an excellent word study of heart in, in the Hebrew language. And I'm just going to, I took a screenshot of one aspect just to show you of, of what the heart is responsible for. Because I think in the image it does a really good job of illustrating what the heart is truly responsible for from a biblical perspective. Like you can see there, your thoughts, your emotions, your physicality, and of course your choices when you set your heart on something. So for now, I'm going to just stop stop the screen as we for just for a moment and as we continue and as i i'm trying to unpack our understanding of heart why am i doing this why am i studying quite literally we're studying together why am i highlighting what heart means and the aspects of heart well for me in in my walk with the lord most recently since i've joined the ministry in three to in three or four years is that i've learned that we it's it's not just beneficial but it's imperative that we engage the word of god with our whole heart it's important that when we read the word we invest all who we are our emotions our thoughts our choices and of course our physical self you know sometimes i think in our western culture we treat the word like a vending machine 
we walk up to the word with a predetermined desire and expectation of what we're going to receive. For example, you wake up one morning and you're feeling quite down. And you say, I think I'll have an encouraging psalm this morning as I'm feeling quite down. You see, you have an emotional expectation of approaching the word that it's going to meet you and your need. Or maybe you're in need of some direction or wisdom. So you say, I need some wisdom today. Let's go to Proverbs. That's a directive expectation. Now note, I'm not saying that this is wrong. This is not necessarily wrong. But I believe we may be limit, limiting the power of the word and its impact on our whole being. Note, I'm stressing the whole being. We're limiting the word. We're having a predetermined expectation of where the word is going to minister to us. For me, I've learned that I love engaging the word intellectually. But I know and what I've experienced that this is the only the outer courts of my study. It's my entrance. It's my gateway. You see, that's where I start, but surely that's not where the Lord finishes with me. You see, when I start there, he uses those that outer courts and he brings me in. He brings me closer. And the word ministers to me deeper and to all that I am. He journeys through my intellect, through my emotions. And as I meditate and chew on the words and the richness of the words throughout the day and the week, it starts to affect who I am, my choices. And it affects me and the fruit that can be seen physically, my behavior, my words, my health. This is what it means to eat the word, partake of the word, to meditate on the word, to chew and of its richness. You see, in our, in our culture today, mostly in the West, we divide the Hebrew understanding of heart into two separate parts. In fact, we don't even label one as the heart at all. We, we say we either follow our head or we follow our heart, like they're in opposition to one another. We always see that they're enmity with one another. Are we following my head or am I following my heart in this decision? In my deeper study with the word, I began to realize that both my head and my heart are fully engaged in the type of study that Solomon implores us to enter in in this passage. You see, he wants us to adopt and engage the Hebrew understanding of heart. He wants us to invest our whole being when we interact with the word. Again, this is not just because it's interesting and insightful that I'm sharing it with you today. Like I said, it's a necessity that we do so. You see, this very proverb that we are reading today, this passage from verse 27, verse 20, all the way down, urges us to partake in certain actions that are vital for our holistic health. Actions that engage every aspect of the heart. We just highlighted those aspects of the heart. Now we know they're not just an emotional or physicality, but it's thoughts and decision making. And Solomon in this passage urges us to partake of certain actions to ensure that all of us are invested in the, in the word of God. And more importantly, that when our hearts are invested wholeheartedly in the word of God, it frees us from corruption and distractions. So we're going to share my screen again. And we're going to highlight those very actions, those very actions that Solomon is imploring us to take. Of course, this is a proverb. It wouldn't be a proverb if there wasn't very directive speaking about wisdom and how we are to apply certain aspects of the word of God to our lives. So let's go through and this time I'm going to start from the top and we're going to work our way down and we're going to highlight these actions that Solomon is imploring us to do. He starts off saying, listen carefully right at the top. I'm going to highlight these in blue. 
These are the directives Solomon is telling us to do. But not, note, he doesn't just say, listen carefully. He says, listen carefully, my dear child, to everything that I teach you. Everything that I teach you. He says, pay attention to all that I have to say. Now, I think parents will tell you, those who are on your parents will tell you there's a big difference in children listening and the children paying attention. In other words, your children can hear your instruction, but it's a whole, a whole different matter entirely for them to obey that instruction that you've given them. And there's a step in between that, and it's understanding, it's interpreting, it's meditating on the words that they heard, comp comprehending those words, and therefore affecting their behavior and their action. You see, we need to physically hear the words as we read them out. And in Hebrew, they had this process called the Hagah, which means meditate in the English language. And that speaks of the word directly translated in Hebrew. Hagah is the same sound a bear makes when he's devouring his meal like a fish or a bird like a dove cooing on a rock. It's to audibly mutter the word as if you were a dove or if you were a bear feasting. You see, but it's the start of the process to hear the words out loud. But note, it's not necessarily the end of the process. It's only the beginning. When we mutter those words out loud, when we meditate on those words, we fully, we pay attention fully. Our mind is fully engaged. Like that bear, he's thinking of nothing else. He's thinking of nothing else. He's just thinking of that meal that he's partaking of. Let's continue. In Proverbs 4.21, it says, fill your thoughts with my words. Fill your thoughts with my words. And then he doesn't just stop there. He says, until they penetrate deep into your spirit. Now, this filling is not a quantitative filling. Filling our thoughts means to submerge ourselves in the word so much that it pours into our very being. Like I said, it's not, it's not about how much you read the Bible. Rather, it's how deep the word is penetrating into your heart. It's about depth, not quantity. A big thing for me was I used to approach the Bible as a religious duty or exercise, thinking if I read my word every day, just the mere practice and the religious activity and the exercise would be good enough. And guess what? There's no life there because you feel as that it's an obligation. It feels pressure. Jesus promised us that his, his yoke and his burden is easy and light. Then why am I experiencing this word as hard and heavy and difficult to do? It's not about quantity. It's not about the religious practice like Jesus criticized the Pharisees. It's more, it's about engaging with the word wholeheartedly, approaching the word and allowing the word to minister deep into us. This filling that Solomon is telling us uh, and is urging his children is fill your thoughts with my words, the word of God, until they penetrate deep into your spirit. It's all about depth. It's about meditating on that word until it hits your heart and, and, and explodes and it becomes light and life to you. Now, another way to do that is in verse 22 is that you unwrap my words. Unwrap my words. Now, it's important to note in when Solomon wrote this, not everyone, especially maybe his children, had access to physical scrolls or the word of God. But in Hebrew culture, the word of God was given orally. It was a tradition from fathers and sons and mothers and daughters where they would orally communicate the words of God and Torah down to their children. That's why today 
even in the Hebrew, in, in the Jewish culture, they memorize the Torah because they know how important it is to know it and to speak it out and to share it with your children. And that's why he says, you know my words. And he says, unwrap my words. Don't just hear them. Take time. Unwrap them. Discover all that they are to give to you. I love that word unwrapping, really. I love the passion translation of this because it's like a child who gets a gift or anybody who gets a gift. I've never met someone who's not eager to unwrap something. When you unwrap something, you look forward to it. You fully engage in it. You take time to tear away the layers piece by piece. And it's a deliberate, purposeful dissecting of the word that Solomon is referring to here. If you look at the footnote in the Passion Translation, it just says, unwrap my words or discover my words. This is a Greek way of thinking also the mysteries of God. You'll read in the, in the Gospels, which speaks about mysteries. Now, mysteries in the Greek were not necessarily something that no one would ever find. It's like the way I understood it is we, ha we plan treasure hunts for my children. and uh, we wouldn't hide it that they would never find it. We hide it just enough that it doesn't take them, they couldn't find it quickly and easily and then it's over. As a parent, you want them to be fully engaged and that you make use of all that time. I think it's the same with the, with the, the Lord. He doesn't put precious gems on the surface. And you've heard that said many times because he wants those who diligently seek him to find him. He wants there to be a true reward of that wholehearted search for the Lord. I love that way of saying unwrap my words, but also discover, discover the mysteries. Sometimes you can feel like Indiana Jones when you're digging through the word of God. You feel like you've stumbled upon something that maybe no one has ever known. Now, of course, it isn't most people have understood the word. But when you get that revelation in your heart, it's, it's like a kid finding a, an Easter egg on Easter. It's sheer joy, sheer enjoyment. You have your heart is leaping when you feel the Lord is speaking directly to you. These are not just black words on a white page. They're speaking to you in your situation. Let's continue in verse 23. Of course, the whole core component of what we're dealing with and where we started is, so above all, guard the affections of your heart. That is the directive that Solomon is giving his children. Guard the directions of your heart. Then he carries on and he repeats what we read before. Pay attention. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being. This is where we started today, but we can see we have a deeper and better understanding of how we are to conserve our whole hearts. You see, you know, you, if you read that verse in isolation with no context or anything, you could say, well, he's telling me to protect my heart and to pay attention to the welfare of my inner being. In other words, I must be careful who I let in and, and because if I let everybody in, they're going to hurt me. And, you know, that, that's quite the opposite of what Solomon is actually saying through these scriptures. Rather, Solomon is encouraging his children to open their heart fully, not to close it, to open their heart fully to the word. First of all, open your heart to the word and you'll see it does relate to others. Opening your heart to the word also means opening your heart to others. Why do I say that? Just read verse 24. Because when he says that, he then he then talks about how we are to engage with other people. He says, avoid dishonest speech and pretentious words. So this word that you're engaging with will have an impact on your life. It's going to change your interactions with people. It cannot but change your interactions with people when you engage all that you are. It says then, 
installment verse 24 be free from perverse words no matter what now this should this should bring remembrance to scriptures that we've studied before the mouth speaks out of the abundance of the heart you see solomon is addressing the, the thing at the core he's focusing on the heart and that the heart be rooted in the word because when he knows that the heart is rooted in the word and you're fully attentive your whole being is fully engaged in the word it will change the words that come out your mouth so if you want a litmus test of what state your heart is in and this is a big out for all of us including me speaking today is you watch the words coming out because that's what's inside it's the same tree the root is grabbed hold of the word and it will bring forth word fruit when it comes out and the fruit is our words and our actions it doesn't stop there verse 25 more directive set your gaze on the path before you with a fixed purpose i love that looking straight ahead in other words single-minded that's why i was reminded of the the two men in, the, in matthew 13 who encountered the great treasure and the great pearl the hoard of treasure and the great pearl they had a fixed purpose when they discovered that kingdom they had they did everything they could to lay hold of it to buy the piece of land where the where the pearl was was hidden or to sell everything that you have right it's a fixed purpose and then it says we already read but before we read this is ignore life distractions now this is a big one this is a big one for us and for everyone today i believe because we are living in a world that is rife with distractions and not only that our attention span has been trained to be fleeting because of those distractions how critical is solomon's directive here to set our hearts on things that matter the word of god with a fixed purpose because when those distractions come that we will not turn our heads folks it's not just the youngsters today that are being are being trained to be distracted youtube doesn't wait long before it brings another video facebook doesn't wait long until it keeps scrolling the page netflix doesn't show you the whole credits until it's already streaming the next episode it wants to keep us engaged on what they have are those things bad or wrong no i'm not saying that what i'm saying is this is how the world is wants us to keep feeding on what they have the word of god doesn't have a quick next video it doesn't have an easy way to keep you engaged you have to choose it's a choice it isn't easy we have to train ourselves and eat of its fruit to enjoy it and of course verse 26 which we highlighted already watch where you're going stick to the path of truth <laughs> like don't make sure you don't fall into that main man, empty manhole cover when the manhole cover is not there make sure you don't fall watch where you're going so often my son he runs everywhere full tilt and he often doesn't look straight down where his next step's going and he lands flat on his face it's important that as we set our gaze on the path before us with a fixed purpose, we also make sure we know where each next step and foot is going to land. It's very practical. And it's ensuring that we stay on the way that Jesus told us to stay. In verse 27, don't allow yourself to be sidetracked for even a moment or take a detour that leads to darkness. What I've come to realize is that all of that we're reading these directives although they may they refer to external situations the real battle is internally the real battle is internally it is in the heart where these challenges come it's in our thoughts our emotions 
our physicality and our choices where we can be distracted. This is why engaging with the word with our whole heart is critical. It keeps every aspect of our heart on, on the path of truth, just like Solomon urges us to. And that's why he's saying, guard your heart. Make sure it is where it needs to be, fully invested and engaged in the word. What I've come to know in my, my continuing studies of the word is that the Bible isn't a moral code book that the world thinks it is. It, it isn't just, a, it's not just a set of behavioral rules or laws that we should abide by so we can have a good healthy life and even healthy afterlife. The Bible is so much more than that. It is the very essence and nature of Christ. It is his DNA. You read from the first pages of the Bible all the way to the end. Christ is there. Christ is there. In, in the unpacking of Genesis account of the heel tramping on the snake's head, that is Christ. He gets bitten. We know what happens on the cross. Jesus was and is the word made flesh. It is a reality. The more we wholeheartedly engage with the word, the more we engage with Christ and all of our being. And then when we do that, we allow the word and Christ within that word, who he is, to transform us into his very likeness. We find that, you know, let me put it to you in a different metaphor. Those of you who have that special someone in your life, whether you're married or you're on that journey, we find that special someone in our lives and we say things like, I'm, we, we're giving them our heart, I've given them my whole heart. And you know what? It's actually quite an accurate illustration of what happens, even in this holistic Hebrew understanding of heart. For example, when I met Nicole, I wanted to be physically close to her at all times. You know, that, that you, wanted to be in, you wanted to be in each other's space. We wanted to be um, amongst each other physically. Our emotions, were given and intrinsically tied to one another. More than anybody else, either Nicole or I could impact up each other's emotional state a lot easier than anybody else, right? And then you find that you, they, you're always in each other's thoughts. You continually think and meditate on them and their well-being. You know, that's what it means to love someone is to put them first in your mind and in action. And that's important for the next aspect of heart which we spoke about is that we always consider them or consult them when we have choices to make. They are involved in the decision process. Our whole heart is shared with them in this Hebrew understanding. Our emotions, our thoughts, our, our choices and our physicality. We enjoy an intimate relationship. Why? Why have you, think about, God has designed human beings and even uh, romantic relationships for a specific purpose. He wants us to be intimate with one person in our lives as we journey because that's way that's the way he's designed us he wants us to be intimately engaged with him he created humanity adam means humanity he created us to be intimately engaged wholeheartedly with him because he wants to be engaged with us he wants to be in our space he wants to be the object of our affection he wants us he wants to be in our thoughts and continually Call to our choices. He wants a relationship with us. I find that quite beautiful. And the truth is, Jesus initiated a relationship first, and he's already given us his whole heart. Like we said, Jesus is the word. And through the word, 
Jesus came and became flesh. He broke the barrier that was separating man and God. And he came to physically, he came to be with us physically. Think about that for a moment. That's what makes that's what makes what we read so different to everybody, what everybody thinks and what the world defines as Christianity. Jesus came down on this earth in the flesh because he wanted to be physically close to us. I mean, you just have to read when he speaks about his disciples before washing their feet and he prays to the Father. He, you can see the emotion in his being. He fully invests in that disciples with his disciples. We are truly the object of Jesus' affection. We are always in his thoughts. You know the scripture that says he has good thoughts for us, a hope and a future. The truth is Jesus always meditates and mediates for us. He did on this earth and he continually does now. And there's one area of his heart that he's already given complete control. And that is he's given us choice. He's given us that freedom of choice to be able to choose him for ourselves. He, of course, has chosen us just by creating and dying for us. But he just wants us to choose him back. So I hope my contextual study of Proverbs 4, verse 20 to 27 was enriching for you. And I hope it 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 sparks questions because I've learned that when we start to question it, we engage. You know, both those men where I started in Matthew 13, they they were looking for something. Whether they stumbled on it or not, they were looking. And that speaks about questioning the word. I, I encourage you, when you engage with the word, question it, wrestle with it. Ask the tough questions because I believe if you're if you're if that's what your whole heart desires, the Lord will meet you. He will answer your seeking and your searching like Dad spoke at the beginning. And I think this is where, that's what makes people different from the world's perspective on what the Word of God is and what a true believer when we engage in the Word. When we find this kingdom, when we engage with it, it is like a great hoard of treasure. It's like a great pearl because we see the value we see the life force it gives us when we engage our whole heart to it. So I trust you are blessed. I, tr I, I implore you to urge Solomon's words here and engage with the word wholeheartedly. And when you do so, it will minister into all aspects of the heart. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.